You are listening to the Archery Maniacs Podcast. This is Remy Warren. I am Rihanna Carey. My name is Adam Foss. This is Paul Tetford, professional archer. Hey everyone, I'm Christy Titus, and you are listening to Archery Maniacs. We cover everything archery, from the hunting side to the tournament side, with stories, tips and tactics, gear reviews, and more. That helped my tuning game so much when I made sure that all my arrows were square. And I'm just staring into his eyes. Blood's dripping off of its tines. Mud is everywhere. The clarity these mavens offer is amazing. I'm just like Spider-Man, you know, on this rock. You know, just <laughs> laying there. Belly crawling in there and I can barely fit in there and I can hear the cat growling at me. So I put my hand on his shoulder and pushed him and we just ran at this elephant. Hey, this is Paul, Paul Medell from Elk Nut Outdoors, and I have the privilege today of talking some elk and some maybe some tips, tactics on uh, uh, all styles of elk hunting, especially solo, and I have the privilege of being able to talk with Zach today on the Archery Maniac podcast. Well, thanks a bunch, Paul, for hopping on the podcast this morning. I really look forward to diving into some specific tips and tactics. Um I, I, you know, that's one thing that I really like doing with you is being very specific about the types of tips and tactics that we are going to cover in this episode. And yeah, so this one, you know, uh, I, I don't know if you get a lot of questions about it or not, but I get a lot of questions about solo elk calling. Um, is it different? You know, should I be doing something different as opposed to doing it with a team? You know, how do you... How do you call from a hundred feet away and then run up a hundred, uh, you know, a hundred yards away and then run up a hundred yards and, and, and be closer to the elk? You know, I get, I get all kinds of questions along those lines. So I figured who better to dive into and ask questions about solo elk calling on public land than you. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I can throw a nugget out there too. You, you know, it, elk hunting's elk hunting, and a lot of a lot of guys have their styles and their ways, and they and they can be very effective. But then there's those guys out there that are still trying to fill in little pieces of the puzzle to maybe complete, uh, to be a more complete elk hunter, and 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 ultimately a more effective elk hunter. Because who likes to lose an encounter? We really don't. I mean, when we're out there, we may only have an encounter a day or maybe two or three in five days. And so it's up to us to make the adjustments as a hunter to fit in the elk's environment. And that's what it's all about. So many times we want the elk to fit into our environment, you know, but we actually have to fit into theirs and to be disciplined enough to do that and patient enough that many, many times so that we allow things to develop and don't get too big a hurry. And when you're hunting solo, in 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 many cases, you cannot just be pushing, you know, the pedal to the metal. You have to back off a lot of times and let things, you know, kind of simmer there before you start raising any kind of uh, emotion or momentum to to get this elk to react. I do know one thing. As a solo hunter, I want the elk to make the last move whenever possible. I want to have put them on the defense. To me, that is it, it, tremendously important. If they put me on the defense, I'm in trouble 
they have the, uh, the the eyes and they have the ability to be able to see me make that last move if I'm trying to do it all the time. There are situations where I do have to be the aggressor and I have to make that last move. But I found, you know, over the many, many years of elk hunting, when I can force that elk to make the last move, I can catch him moving. You see, as he's coming my way. And to me, that is huge, a huge, huge uh, aspect right there. And it's in the hunter's favor because you're I'll tell you what, if they see any little thing move out there and it, they can't identify it with part of the gender there. I mean, it, it can definitely raise suspicion. And right then you, you're almost banging your head against the wall because it's hard to sound like an elk and look like something else and, 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 and make them not run. You see what I mean? Or or at least keep their distance. So this is an interesting subject to be able to go over some of the finer points there that might just give us that little edge we need. Yeah, absolutely. And I like what what I think, uh, you know, being a a solo hunter most of the time when I'm elk hunting, um, I've found what I struggle with the most is because like any animal that that has predators you know as soon as you make the slightest noise they hone in on your location like it's nobody's business so when you know, when you're mm-hmm. talking about having the elk make the last call um or not the last call or move. move sorry the last move um you know kind of kind of walk us through maybe some of the scenarios that might force that to happen because i know that if i am calling an elk and he gets within 150 yards and I make a cow call or a bull call or chat, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Whatever sound I make, I know that he then knows where I'm at. And from there, I'm like, well, now what do I do? Because I can either stop calling and try and move in closer or I can just hope he keeps coming. You know, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, great. Now I'm pinned down. That That's how I feel when I'm solo calling. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want. That's really? exactly what I'm striving for right there. Oh, absolutely. I need him to key on exactly where I'm at. That's what's going to keep him in search mode. So here's the key. Number one, you need to have a good setup. So a good setup is not one where you have a panoramic view of everything in front of you. That's not what you want. You don't want to see anything. You need a setup where it's so tight that you force the elk into search mode and he will keep coming. He or she, whatever you're working, will keep coming until they get to the spot where they know they should see the source of the calling. That's exactly what they do. And so by removing uh, the open terrain, because most hunters want to be able to see 100 yards out there. They want to see 125. They want to see the approach so they can get ready, so they can hide behind this. And as the elk gets over here, I'm going to draw. They have this big plan in their head. But what happens is when you – Give the elk the luxury of being out of your range and seeing even approximately where the calling is coming from. That's where they stop right there. So I try to alleviate that from them. Even when I'm calling tag team with my son and I'm going to say here we're hunting dark timber because who wants to call elk in the sagebrush? In a wide open country with very little undulation, you know, it's just not smart. You're going to be a spot and stalker much more so than trying to call an elk to you. You may call at the very end to stop them for the shot, but you don't have that communication or interaction to draw them 
from a half a mile away or a quarter mile away or 300 yards away right to bow range. It's it's just not even smart for a hunter to try to do that because they they just don't fall for it. So I want to get those elk, if there is open country, I want to get them in the cover. I don't call them at all when they're in the open. Nothing. I just watch them, get a direction, try to see when they get in the cover, and then I either, you know, if you can't ambush them, in most cases I really don't try to because I love calling so much that I'm going to call that elk to me. And and I like the challenge of it, whether it's an over-the-counter or if we got a, a draw tag once every 15 years, you just never know. But but as far as over-the-counter and hunting timber, now it's up to you as the hunter to pick your spot. So number one, setup. I don't care how great a caller you are. You need a good, tight setup that the elk must come to your range before they can see the source and that's where you got them right there you know the average shot that we have whether we're tag teaming or solo is right around 23 yards and i can tell you even as a tag teamer that's a standard shot and and that's for 61 uh, elk that we've taken in 27 years and that's the average shot distance that we have figured out and 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 i can tell you this even as a tag teamer a lot of people think that when you tag team, you know, especially in, in dark timber or any type of tight environment close where there's, you know, a lot of aspens, a lot of willows, a lot of timber, brush, whatever it may be, or a combination thereof, it doesn't matter. As long as they can't see where the source of the calling is coming from, they will keep coming. A lot of these elk we're calling, we're calling close to a half a mile away. They're just in the cover. Some of them are starting out at two and three hundred yards away, but they will keep coming. If they come to a hundred and they just came that far, believe me, they're going to go 90, 80, 70, 60 until they see what they should see where the elk is. So take that away from them. And, 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 and as a tag teamer, many times in almost every instance, both of us could have shot that bull. That's how close we are as a tag teamer. People think when you when you tag team that you should be 40, 60, 80 yards apart. No, not if you know what you're doing. Most of the time, if I'm working a herd bull, we're very rarely ever 20 yards apart, hardly ever. And the only reason we do this when there's tag, because we enjoy calling so much, we'll let this guy shoot, so we want to call. We, my son and I will we'll argue who's going to call because we like it so much. Yeah, and, yeah. and you know, it, it's beating them at their own game. So there's a lot of things that, that you're doing the same thing as a tag teamer as you are as a solo hunter is what my real point is, is, is stay close, you know, if there's two of you in the timber. But in this case, we're solo. And so basically what I would need from you is to say, Paul, I've been in this situation. How would you handle that? I, I don't want to just go ranting off to the right or left because you know me. I will do that. And on top of that, there is no one or two things that works for every single bull. They're not programmed like that. They're flesh and blood, just like you and I are. They have different personalities. Their testosterone levels can be at different levels depending on their mindset, their attitude. Hot cows, no hot cows. They've been around cows. They got pushed out of a uh, out of a small harem because a cow just start coming into heat. So there's a lot of different things that take place that we just walk up on. And we think, oh, we're going to cow call, we're going to bugle, and they should all react the same. No, <laughs> they do not do that. So, you know, you have to listen to the emotion of the situation. This will tell me how I need to play this out. In other words, if I hear a bull, let's say I'm walking up the hill, even though I asked you to make a, a, to give me an, a, an example. I'll give one real quick. I'm walking up the mountain. I've left my rig, it's dark, and I'm heading up, and I hear a bull a quarter mile straight up the mountain from me, and he just goes, that's all he does, nothing else. 
anybody can go hunt elk that are just screaming and rut fast and there's five bulls going and cows are running everywhere and they're in the timber anybody can go and try to plan that and try to you know be aggressive because it's already aggressive situation so and i can even tell you what i would do in that one but these are the hard ones the difficult ones you hear one bugle and so you're still that quarter mile away. So you sit there, you listen, you wait, you wait, nothing, nothing. Ten minutes goes by, nothing. You don't bugle. I mean, it was such a lazy bed bugle. It was nothing. And so, yeah, you can bugle. What do you think is going to happen? Nothing. Silence. He doesn't say a word. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're kind of like, God, did he run? Is he still there? What did he do? So I'm going to get closer. Okay. I'm going to get up there and I'm like, man, I know I got to be within 200 yards, but I don't know because he hasn't said anything again. <laughs> so what do guys do? They sit there and cow call and cow call and they cow call some more. Nothing happened. Why is that bull not coming to a cow call? Because he already is around other elk. They're herd animals. That bull is not by himself in the world. They're, he's within earshot, if not eyesight, of other elk. That's just how they are. They're herd animals. Just because you heard him, don't think there's not others around. So here comes a cow pie popping in and meow, meow, meow. here's Joe Hunter. Why does he should he get excited over this cow when he's not getting he couldn't care less about the others? So, see, my point is, is you have to give him a reason to show interest. Yeah, because you said there's a cow down there means nothing. And what if I bugled the bull? How does that provoke him to want to come running over and take a look at me? Nothing. That's my point right there. See, guys aren't they're just going through. I know how to make good elk sounds. But they don't know how to talk to the elk, and that is where they're going wrong. And, and, and talking to the elk only applies when there's a conversation between you. It's not like you're talking to yourself. So when there's two people, you have a conversation when you're, when you're, when you're sharing information. The same goes with elk, but people don't look at it that way. They think they make an elk sound, and the elk should come trotting to them. And that's where they're going wrong right there. And a lot of people, if they do make an elk sound, don't allow things to develop. They wait a few minutes, and they walk away. I will show you how to kill that bull. I will show you how to kill, pull that bull in over 90% of the time. As any hunter, lone hunter, tag team, it makes no difference whatsoever. But that bull right there, which is one of the hardest ones to get, you could even say he's a quiet elk. He's not saying anything. Maybe he's shy. Maybe he's not. But you need to pull that bull over your way. So you have to play on his curiosity. That's how you're going to kill that bull right there or have an opportunity at taking him. And so you can't judge him. You don't even know what he is. When you hear... You don't know if that was a three-point or if it was a 340 bull. You really don't because he's not giving you enough to go on. No maturity there. Or, you know, it sounds all young, but all bulls can make little sounds like that when they're just feeling their oats. The oncoming, you know, stress of the ruts just getting inside of them. They're getting that urge. So, you know, I just try to paint the whole picture. They're not, here, do this, do that when you get in that. I'm trying to show people – Hunters, what's really going on out there in the elk world? This bed, this bull is just, he's on cold. His temperature is all the way on sea. So do you want to run up to that bull, get 200 yards away, and start challenging him? Is that what you should do? That's what all the videos show you on YouTube. You hear a bull beagle, get up there, Rah! let's let him have it. Well, how, how, how many times do you think that bull is going to come your way? Not very many. Like, I mean, believe me. In the years past, I used to do things because I tried everything, you know, yeah, until yeah. I got a better feel for the communication. And I'm talking many years ago. I've 
I've readjusted my thinking and realized what I need to do to to have a, a, a provoke a physical appearance. And that's what I'm all about. I do not like losing any encounter. None. I want every single elk I target to come to me. And so if he doesn't come to me, there are situations where I have to go to him and I can easily describe what those are, too. But before we get too far off on that, I just want to make sure if you have a question there on on, on something different or in that relation, let me know and we'll go from there. Yeah, so I definitely love the direction that you're already headed. Um, I do know from myself as well as hunting with a lot of other people that especially if you're in a somewhat new area for the first time. Um, I'll like get into a new area and there's lots of, lots of open area, but there's also lots of patches of really dark timber. So more often than not, I'll glass, uh, you know, 500 yards, a mile, a long ways away. It doesn't really matter. I'll glass a ways away and I'll be like, okay, there's elk in that basin feeding above that timber pocket most likely they're going to go into that timber pocket as soon as it starts heating up and everything like that. So I start making my way over there. What, you know, what should be my next step? I get over there. I get to this pocket. I saw the elk go in there. I know they're in there. I mean, do I go out there and I do like a locator bugle? Do, do, you know, if, if they're, all kind of hanging out, milling around, bedded down in the dark timber. You know, what's – because I've been in that scenario a ton of times, and I get over there, and I'm like, now what the hell do I do? Do I just wait till they come back out, and they're feeding it in the evening again? Like, what do I do? <laughs> you go in there, and you kill that bull. That's how I – that's my mindset. Well, that's when I, good. When that's I go good. over there, I'm going to kill that bull. My, that's my that's is... the confidence that people have. Gotcha. How? Exactly. My thought I'm going to show you. If I go in there, chances are they're going to see me before I see them, and I'm going to blow them out. That that's kind of how my thought process goes with elk bedded in dark timber. Okay, that's and and and, and I should say right off the bat, I think that's a lot of people's feeling, and it's it's a uh, it's negative. You need to have more of a very, very positive outlook when you're elk hunting. And there's only one way to have a positive outlook. When you step out of your vehicle or into the mountains feeling that you can kill an elk anytime you, you step out of that uh, rig. There's only one way to do it. You must have confidence. How do you build your confidence? By understanding that animal and the sounds that can be used against him or along with him in a communications level. So – First of all, here's the thing that we need to go over real quick. Elk, when we're talking bulls, they communicate through a level of emotion through their bugle or the elk sounds that they're going to administer. So when you have social uh, 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 sounds such as location bugles, they're more of a social. There's no intimidation. So now you have a social uh, emotional bugle. Okay, from a bull. And it would sound like this. Let me go ahead and do it just so most guys can understand what we're talking about. If you hear a bugle like this, which most of us use a location bugle, it would be. And there's real, really no emotion to that sound. This is a bull that's just looking for other elk. And you're going to hear them make these sounds right here. So now we know what this means. So let's say you were cow calling. 
and a bull heard you and he's showing interest. What is that bull going to do? Now, how does he change the emotion of his sound, letting you know he heard you and he literally wants you to come over his way? He will change the emotion. You're going to hear more of a sound like this. Okay, he's trying to call you over. You notice the difference in a three-second bugle to a one-second bugle. He changed the emotion. Hey, there's a cow over there. Hey, come on over here. That's what he's doing. Now, what if you keep cow, call, cow calling and he's still over there? You're not coming. A couple minutes goes by and he answers again and then he answers again. What happens is, is he starts getting upset or frustrated with the, with the fact that she's not coming. So you need to read this in the bull. And now all of a sudden you're going to hear him change his emotion a little bit more. And he's going to go. And he's trying to encourage you to get over there. You see, and so you see the level of emotion as it as as things increase and develop. He started with a little. He's trying to call you. You're not coming. In the real elk, where they come. So, what if you still don't come? And now he gets demanding. This is what a sound. This is a sound a bull will use. It's the top of his bugle or emotion range, and he's going to go. And you're going to hear him just get that little bit of a buzz. He's not giving a big lip ball because he's not trying to be challenging. He's showing you the emotion where he's at because you're not coming. He's telling you to get over here. That's more urgent, more demanding for you to get over there. And if you don't, that bull's gone. He's now very suspicious. Something's wrong. So what what we just did was covered four sounds of emotion. And that's really where an elk, bull elk is. All of them are. They can go from a social which is a, a locator, all the way to a lip ball, which is the ultimate range of a bull. And that can come in different levels. If he's dealing with the bull, that lip ball could just be nasty and gnarly with some hard-hitting grunts. You see, but if he's dealing with a cow, he's just changing his emotion because he's not getting the physical response or, 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 or showing a visual of this cow that he's asking. So you see, you got to know these things. Once you start understanding that emotional sound difference, that's the different message he is sending. The same as if you were talking to a guy at 50 yards away and you started to raise your voice a little and he got closer and you both started getting upset. The closer you got, the louder you got because you're getting super pissed off. You see, and that's what happens. So as you work that bull up, you'll notice his, the emotion of his bugle getting to where you need to, which is on the H on hot. That's what you're trying to bring him from C to H. So when you understand those things, and I'm going to go work that bull in the timber now, I know what the level of emotion is. If he ever makes a sound, I'll see where he's at in his mindset. I know how to work him from there. Now, let's just cover the cow sounds real quick. There's four of them. Okay. And so once you get a good idea what the cow sounds represent to another elk and what the bull sounds represent, I'm going to show you how to kill this bull, that bull that goes in the timber. So on a cow sound, you're going to have more of a. Just social. I'm going to grab a drink of water. A mouse drive. And so you can see that on the social level, it's, that's where their elk are as they communicate and they'll move around. That's what that sound represents to the elk. It does not say come over here. It does not say get out of here. It doesn't say any of that. It just says there's elk there, and they're talking to each other as they move through, especially timber, so they can keep contact. Now, what if a calf gets separated and it can't find mom or, or, or another elk? A lot of times, they're not very far off. They're just right over there, and you'll hear them kind of give a... 
as they're looking, you see, they're like, where are you guys? Where, where'd you go? Where are you? And how can, how would mom respond saying, we're over here. Come back. Here's the sound she makes. So now she's trying to regather the yearling or other elk that ventured too far away. And now she responds back. She doesn't respond back with a social cow call. Now she goes. She changes like she says, we're over here. Come on over here. She's not going. Meow, meow, meow. No, she's talking to them. She's communicating with them. And if they get too far and or, or danger starts to appear and she needs urgent action from them, she wants get over here now. Let's go. Hurry up. The same as if you were telling a, a youth to get out of the road because a car is coming. But if there was no car coming, you would say, hey, get out of the road. It's not safe to be there. But when a car comes, you go, get out of the road, get out of the road now. You see, so there's urgency, even though you're saying the same thing. Well, this is what a cow will do if these are not acting quick enough and she wants them to come now or if they're getting too far and because she feels that the danger could be over there or if they see she sees a mountain lion or a bear and she wants them to gather real quick, you'll hear her go. And she'll get very nasally with that contact buzz and they'll gather together real fast. They all start coming together and they're ready to get out of there because there's something not right or they're getting so far away that she's she's worried about it. And she's trying to call them from a longer distance where her other calls did not uh, give her the satisfaction of a response or of them coming there to her direction. So once you understand what those sounds represent now, that's what I use against them. I'm not just sitting there cow calling. I'm not just sitting there giving a bugle. So now with this bull that you talked about, now we have kind of a, a, a basic foundation here for this conversation, this podcast to proceed. And you'll see why I'm using certain sounds and communicating with this elk to bring it my way. And each elk is going to be a little different. You're, if you start using the same system for every single one, same sound, you're probably going to lose a lot of them because they're flesh and blood. Like I say, they do not have the same mindset as the next one because of whatever situation they've been in, you know, that particular day or even the last couple of days. But if I watch that bull go in there and I could tell there was nothing bugling, he wasn't bugling. He didn't have three more satellites bugling around him, which would have told me he's got a hot cow in there. OK, there's a lot of aggressive action going on, a lot of competition, bugling. Cows are talking. And that's not what you told me. You said there was a bull there with cows and he just kind of melted into the timber. They went in there to bed. Correct? Yep. OK, that's the most difficult bull to kill for most people, because when they're all screaming and bugling, you can get a direction without having to really say much. You can start slipping in, slipping in, slipping in, get closer, closer. But in this case, you don't know where that bull bedded in there. Yeah, I know no that I'm not going to go in. No, I'm not going in the timber after him because he could be, you know, a short distance in there. He could be a little further, but I know he's in that pocket. I know he's within 200 yards of me, and I know I can probably get a little closer than that. I'm going to pick a tight setup spot, and I am going to slow play that bull. That's how I will pull him right out of there. And why will I pull him out of there? Because I am going to raise his testosterone level. That's what I'm going to do. That's my key element to calling in almost every single bull. And what this means is so that you can get a comparison. It's like raising your adrenaline. But can you sit down and make some calls and just raise your adrenaline on your own? No, 
How can we do that? Nobody can do that. It's usually something happens or takes place and usually something quick. If somebody were to come and get in your face out of nowhere, man, your adrenaline can rise right now, boy, because you're now you're up for action. Your chest is puffed at. You know what I mean? I mean, there's something happening here and I I have to be ready for it. And it can raise your adrenaline really quick. We'll see. I need to now I need to raise the adrenaline of that bull And, 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 and the adrenaline in a bull is testosterone. And so I'm going to raise that level of testosterone, which gives him the urge to want a hot cow or to breed. When that level is way down, it's because there's no hot cows in the area. He has really the urge is way down until something spikes it. And now it can be aroused. The same is what if you were with your little boy and and a log fell on his leg? 300 pounds. You've never lifted 300 pounds in your life. Your adrenaline just, I mean, it, it, you don't have to think about it. It's just, you got this human strength, superhuman, and you're, you're going to help your son no matter what it's going to take. You're going to do everything. And that's what adrenaline can do. And so when you can get your adrenaline to slowly rise or testosterone level in the bull, that's what I'm going to do to him. So when hunters think of it like that, you got this bull. That's where your confidence starts coming in. Like, I know how to play this bull now to get him to come over to me. I don't have to go to him. I'm going to pull him over to me. I'm going to raise his testosterone level. How am I going to do that? I'm going to show him I have a hot cow. Little by little. How do I do that? The cows make no sound when they come into estrus. None. People think they do. Hunters, they make none. Zero. There's no sound that a cow elk can make to say, I'm ready to be bred, boys. Come on over. There is none. Only a bull can make a sound to let you know when a cow's coming into heat. And they only make these sounds when there's a cow coming into heat. So when I display this action under this bull's nose, even though he may have 15 cows, none are coming into heat right now. He's coming over because I'm going to prove to him that I have a hot cow right there. By my display in action. So I slow play this up until I get him on his feet. And many times once I get him on his feet and I go through my slow play, I get him to try to call the cow away from there, from me. And let me show you how I do this. Are you ready? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Here's what I do. What I do is I usually go, I'm going to try to get with, I know he can hear me. No question about it. And I don't want to call any cows from me. From him. I want an appearance by a bull only. So I try to tailor my sounds to only attract a branch antlered bull. And a lot of times I've done this, doggone five points come running in from the side because they have the same urges as a herd bull does. But I know that bull is there because of your description and you didn't say anything about satellites, but they could be there. So you have to watch out for them because you're going to pull a bull in with this sequence. And so now what I'm going to do is go into a slow play of a breeding type sequence. And the way I do that is I start out with two cow sounds and then an abrasive third one. And usually it's kind of like, and again, he's 150, whatever, 200 yards. That may sound loud right here in the microphone, but it's not to him. All it does is, what does it say to him? Nothing other than there's a cow over there. That's all it said. Does that make him get on his feet and want to come over? No. Could care less about. It. He's got 15 of them that he's looking at. Why should he come over and check this one out? So now I have to give him a reason. So as I give that sound, I just wait. I wait 30 seconds to a minute. And now I start raking. I just slowly start raking the tree. The tree, I'm set up in a tight spot. I've got this spot all picked out. Now I'm going to start raking and tickling. I'm not getting too aggressive. I'm doing just enough. I know he can hear it. So what is this telling him? 
what is why would he do this? See, when a bull starts raking and there's a cow, right? The cow sounds came from there. This bull is right here. And now he starts raking. He's raking. He slowly he starts hitting his hoofs on the ground. And all of a sudden you hear the bull just kind of and he starts giving low pants. So now I'm planting the seed in this real bull's mind. This bull is panting. For this cow, and he's raking. What is he doing? He's showing signs of displaying for the cow. Pants signify excitement. It can signify excitement or frustration if 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 results aren't taking place for what the sounds are being used. This bull showing excitement. His testosterone level is rising because he has a cow that's coming into heat. And as you continue with this, you're going to show this other bull why. So as I start raking and I give a few of those uh, pants and I'll even give what's called like a huffing groan where the bull's showing excitement, you're, you're going to see his emotion in this. And he goes something like this. And we'll, you get him breathing and give those little bit of howly things. And he's only talking. He has nothing. There's no conversation going on with him and this bull. None. It's him and a cow. There's only two of you there. And you got this bull's attention now because you're going through the sequence that this bull only hears when he himself has a hot cow. He starts courting her and he's keeping very close contact and he's showing his excitement as his testosterone level is rising for the urge to breed this cow when she comes in. And all of a sudden you'll start hearing making a few glunks. For this cow, he's trying to taste the air of that, you know, when she drips and leaks a little and it's called, what is it? The pheromones of a, of a cow as they drip and he'll try to taste it. And you hear him kind of give a. And so I make these little sounds, maybe one. And I pant again. I start raking. I am showing him all the ingredients. What a bull does when he has a hot cow in his presence. They do not make these sounds, Zach, at any other time. None. They only use this combination of sounds when they've got a hot cow right there. And so as I paint this picture in his mind, I start whining a little more with the cow call, and I'll move five or six yards, hitting the ground, hitting brush like I'm trying to corral her. She's trying to move around a little bit, and I'm trying to bring her back. I'm showing my excitement. And as I'm moving, and I'm, you know, I'm playing it up. I'm painting a picture in this bull's eyes over here. There's a bull right here under my nose with a hot cow. And that's what I'm showing. And I'll hit the sounds a little more with the cow. And just play it up. And she's just kind of whining a little bit. I go through the rake and I keep hitting this. And the next thing you know, very rare does this bull ever show up out of nowhere. When I hit the cow sounds for like the third round, all of a sudden I hear this. He tries to call the cow over. That's exactly what he does. He's so he's on his feet now. He hasn't really come over, but now he's part of the action. Very rare. And I mean, I've done this hundreds of times. Does that bull never say nothing? Usually a satellite, if he's sneaking, he won't say anything. He just shows up. But that bull, he gets up. And what does he do? He doesn't really want to leave the cows. So he tries to call her over. Well, what do you do when the cow, when the bull tries to call your cow over? Tell, let the cow know that, hey, she likes what she just heard. She is now going to call that bull over her way. So now the cow, when she hears the bull, you go. Ah! Ah! 
use that regathering mute. You try to bring him over. You're letting him know that you, hey, I, I like what I hear right here. I want you coming over here. Well, what do you think the real bull thinks? You, or the, you, the bull, he doesn't like that. So as soon as that bull answers you, because he's going to try to call that cow again, I give him a low, abrasive, emotional sound telling him to stay back. I go, I don't give him a great big monster challenge where I have nowhere to rise. I only give him about a four to five on a scale of 10, 10 being the highest, of, so I can gain this because I know what he's going to do. He's going to start firing back on me anytime. On that one, he may not say anything, but I'm going to encourage that cow to call him again. I'm going to go through that little bit of a regathering sound again, and I'm going to start raking and pan, give a few more clunks. I'm going to really play my sequence up and try to corral my – and I'm hitting brush. I'm hitting everything as I'm trying to keep that cow there, and now what I'm going to do is – Get that cow to be demanding to call that bull over, and I'm going to have her now go through a contact bus and just – and get aggressive with it four or five times. And don't you think that her bull's not going to say anything? And now I'm waiting for him because the minute he gets more emotion as he tries to call that cow, now I'm coming over much harder with my challenge. And when I do this paints defensive action because you notice that bull wasn't doing any of that with all those cows. He could care less. But I have a hot cow. If he had a hot cow, the real bull will show defensive action and warn you to stay back. But I've got it here. So this now is provoking this bull to start coming closer and closer and closer, especially when the cow is telling him to come over. And I tell him to stay back. Of course, he wants to come. And what's he want to do? He wants to scent check this. He needs to smell this cow because the entire picture is painted that there's a hot one right there. And he wants to run this bull out of there and hook this cow up. So I just play that game, raking, raking, and keep going, and you'd be surprised. Here he comes. Now he's going to get very vocal, and now your bugling exchange will get much closer. You're probably going to be bugling each other maybe three, four times, and all within seconds apart. You took a bull that wasn't even making one sound. In that timber, and you got this guy from C all the way to H, his testosterone level has skyrocketed because he's so pumped up with that hot cow right there in his midst, and that will bring him over. This is how I probably called in the last 10 or 12 bulls, and we've killed every single one of them. On these bulls that aren't saying anything, or they just get like a single bugle, you get in there, let it develop. It takes me about 20 to 25 minutes from start to finish before that bull is usually dead on the ground. And so I'm just showing you is that this is a way to do it. Most guys just go in and give a few cow calls. Maybe they throw up challenge view because they know the bull's over there and thinking he's going to get fired up. And, but it just doesn't work that way hardly ever. Now, if I got over there and that bull already had hot cows and three or four bulls were bugling and screaming, I'm going to try to get close to that bull. And I'm gonna, I want to call his cows away. And I'm going to call them away like a real bull would try to first call the cows away. First, I need to get closer. So I showed you how to do it in that one. Now, if, let's say we have a lone hunter and we have a bull that does have a hot cow and he's got several satellites. How am I going to call the cows away? What is my best bet? I know guys that run in there and they say, you just have to lip ball them. Just scream everything you got. Well, a lip ball, remember, it's the ultimate emotion that a bull can submit. That's it. It doesn't get any higher than that. But it doesn't mean words to a bull. It means words to us. We think that's what we have to do because it's calling his cows only. No, a lip ball is a level of emotion. So my And I want to end up getting there, but I don't want to start with it. Even though he's got the hot cow, I want the hot cow. How do I call the hot cow away? How do I tell the bull, the herd bull, I am trying to call your cow because I bugled? No. 
because I have to now get personal and direct my call right to her. How do I do that? Uh, I cow call the bull cow calls. Okay. What's that? I thought you were asking me. I was, I was going to answer your question. I was like, um, I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, you go ahead and tell me what you were going to do. <laughs> I, I was, was going to say uh, – Well, here's what I do. A bull calling cow bugle. And you can do that. But again, that's a level of emotion is all it is. I'm going to use that. But how does he know that is what I'm really meaning? Gotcha. Again, there are no in the elk language that says this is to the cow. It's as you develop your sounds, as you try to call the cow away, and now he knows you're directing your sounds to her. Because you make this sound here. And you're saying, I'm calling the cow. Well, how does the bull know that? Does that only get directed to the cow? No. It's a level of emotion that can go to any elk, to him or her. But now I'm going to direct it to her. How am I going to do that? So he knows I'm talking to her. You see, I can't pick her out and say, Lucy, I'm talking to you. I have to make my sound, my emotional sound, and the, and the things I use directed to her. Here's how I do it when he knows I'm not talking to him. I am now 75 yards away. These satellites are 150, bugling and bugling and bugling. I'm inside all of them. He's not paying any attention to them other than warning them to stay back. Don't come any closer. I'm that one that's halfway in. And what am I going to do? Who, what, am, what is this elk trying to do? Or what message is he sending to my cows, the hot cow especially, when I do this? He hears that bull all in one note. Gives two, three cow calls and goes right into the bugle. You notice there was no hesitation where I stopped between the cow calls and that roundup bugle. None. All, no question in his mind, I was not talking to him. I'm talking to the cow. I want her to come over here. And that's what he will do. When a bull was using cow calls himself, when a herd bull, you'll hear them a lot of times when you're tight and they're talking real soft. You hear the herd bull calling the cows with a with cow call. When I'm using that cow call right there and come over with that emotional bugle close between a roundup and a challenge because I want quick action. I want her to come over now. I'm not going. I'm not doing that. No, I'm giving much more emotional attention behind my sound saying, I want you coming over here now. Why is he doing that? Because he knows he can't whip the herd bull. No way. He's no way he's going in there and challenging him directly face to face, antler to antler. No way. So he stays back at that safe range where he could get out of there if he has to. But at the same time, he wants the cow to come. So I'm calling the cow. As soon as I do that, what is the herd bull going to do? He's coming right over the top of me, screaming because I'm trying to call that cow away from him. And when he does, I'm waiting for him to do that. That's when I come over the top of him. With about as abrasive of a challenge as I can, showing him my level of emotion, and I'm not going to back down. You see, he's not going to push me away with just a, an abrasive response. And I'm that close. He is most likely going to make a physical appearance very quick. If he doesn't, and he screams once or twice, and I can tell he hasn't moved, I immediately try to call that cow again. I go right back to the cow sounds, and now I start panting. And 
I'm showing my excitement, my frustration for her not coming, the excitement over the situation. I'm making it real, Zach. I'm not trying to be Joe Hunter throwing location bugles with a couple of cow calls there. No, I'm showing my emotion for the situation and that I'm not going to back down. I want that cow. And I can even creep up as I'm doing it as long as I got the cover. Creep up, putting more pressure and just hammer. And I can eventually go to that lip ball sound, letting him know that this is this is my ultimate amount of emotion that I'm trying to get that cow out of there. And it doesn't have to be big. just has to be more of a. You see, just letting him know I've crept up that ladder just a little bit. And if I really want to get a, a massive lip ball, I'll go to the tip of my tongue where I really vibrated hard. But most of the time when I'm already right there and I've gone through that little scenario, but I'm calling that cow only, this will give him give me the physical appearance I need to shoot that bull because here he comes fast. He's now trying to push you completely out of there because he knows you are trying to call the cow. You're not sitting there really trying to challenge him. You're calling to call the cow, but at the same time when he challenges you and you come over him, you're letting him know you're not going to back down. But as a lone hunter – you got to get close to do this. You cannot do this where the satellites are sitting 150 yards away and go through that sequence. You now need to be that greasy wheel that requires that action. Now, if that bull is in a situation, in a spot where I thought I could run at him, and every time I hit, if I hit the cow call, he was going to call me, I could actually get inside that 100 yards and hit a cow call. And if he if he answers me, and he probably will, and I want to get bold and aggressive, and I've done this several times, we've talked before, I love this one, I can change it up. There's no one thing that only works every time. Nah, there could be three or four different things you can try. But the reason I choose one over the other is it gives me a little better odds because of the past experience in a specific situation. But when a bull will invite me, and call me over when I cow call and there's other satellites around. So many times I love running right at him. I really do. Because when he tells you to get over there, and that's what you're listening for, when a bull responds to your cow call, he's telling you to come over. And if it's a herd bull, he usually will hold ground. So I like to make sure I give a few cow sounds, listen to him, wait a second, and hit some more. And if his bugles are closer or his chuckles are closer as he's telling me to come over, I I sat up quickly because he's coming. But if he stays in the same spot, I know I have to go to him. He's not going to come. Because he usually has cows, so he doesn't want to leave them. So he tells me to come up and join the group. So I'm listening to all these little things. Do I need to set up? Nope, I don't need to set up. This bull's calling me to him. So now I'm going to go to him with the sound that a cow will make as she accepts the invite. And that's the... That's what she does. She gets so rapid with it, and she goes right at him. And she's hitting everything, breaking, pop, pop, pop. And as he hears it, he's encouraged. He's excited. He can even start panting on his own, and he usually will stop, and he'll start raking. And he's going to display for this cow as because he doesn't know who she is. This cow is one he's never heard. He's got 15 or 10 or 3, but it's not one of those. It's not this one. He knows them by their sound. And so he is starting to rake, and he's showing his testosterone level rising. He's even excited for this new recruit, whether she's ready to be bred or not. It's the fact that she's coming as he asks her to, and he just anchors down. Stays right there waiting. And as you know, in the past, I've killed some pretty nice herd bulls with a longbow. They just let you run right at them. As long as they don't see you or wind you, you can get that 20-yard shot. Right on top of me. We're shooting a compound. Same thing. But this is what I'll do as a lone hunter many times. So don't think that 
the elk have to do all the work every time. There are situations when the bull's aggressive enough that you can actually make the move. I've also been in situations in the sim in the one you said originally where I started piping on the on the cow sounds and the bull would just stay there and he kept trying to call me to him as I was going through the slow play. Every time I hit the cow sound. He would just rattle, man. He wanted me to come, but he would not come. So I realized, okay, after three or four sequences of this, and I'm trying to show him I have a hot calf, he wouldn't break loose. I now, what do I do? I readjust. I take those cow sounds, get excited, leave the bull I'm with, and go right at him, cow call him, because that's what he wants me to do, and he's not coming now. But rare does that happen, but I'm ready for it. I'm ready saying, okay, this one's not going to move. He is staying there. He's been able to let me four times now in the last six minutes, and he hasn't moved an inch. But he wants the cow to come. So now I'm hoping the wind holds because those are all the factors you have to weigh, the wind and the cover. And get in there because that's what he expects you to do, and you can make all the noise in the world. So, see, there's a lot of times that you're readjusting your 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 mindset. You can't just get tunnel vision and say it's this sequence and if he doesn't show oh well it wasn't to be that day baloney you look for the next little thing that gives you that opening so that you can make something happen but those are a couple of things that 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 i would try depending on how the situation unraveled gotcha gotcha so now what about um i I, that's that's incredible first off you know um because i can't i think it kind of uh debunks the whole thought of there's the elk. They just went into the dark timber. Now I'm going to leave them all day until they come back out for the evening. You know, you literally just walk step by step through a process on how to, how to be able to hunt those elk. You can suck them out of there. Yeah, exactly. You can suck them right out of that timber. Yeah. Which is huge. So, so what about a time, you know, let's say, you know, cause I, I've heard a bunch of people, um, some very successful elk hunters say the best time to kill a big bull is as early in the season you can possibly get to them, you know, legally, obviously above tree line. Um, so first off, do you ever hunt elk like that? And if you do, what are, cause I've hunted elk like that. They're up above tree line. It's much more, from my experience, it's much more spot and stock style. Um, but I have seen some giant bulls and I've been 40, 50 yards and I just missed, you know, I've, I've, I've been there, had some great opportunities that way as well. Um, so do you ever hunt like that first off? And if so, what are some of your tips and tactics for the solo people going in earlier in the season before, you know, when the elk might not have cows, when the elk might still be above tree lines and things like that? Well, yeah, when they're still in their bachelor groups <clears throat> to uh, to pull an elk like that, obviously in those openings above tree line and there's really nothing there to work a bull with you know calling is not the key by any stretch of the imagination i mean you're going to basically have to hope like heck that those elk end up bedding or feeding into some sort of crevice or some sort of undulation where you can now 
make your approach. And and you're going to notice another thing on a lot of those. The wind is so unpredictable, so unpredictable on those open hillsides when when there's nothing to block it. It's there's none of this. It's always down in the morning and always up in the it's not like that. It's so swirly. And, and, and most people that have hunted them like that, they'll tell you that, that when you get out there, the wind is the most un- unpredictable thing in the world. And to find them there in the openings like that. And even if they're by themselves, and most of the time those bachelor groups, there'll be several bulls. So you do have some eyes to be concerned with. But if you want to go in and sneak on those bulls and trying to kill them, more power to you. Me, I could care less. That's not my style. And because and, I'm a caller of elk, and that's where my adrenaline spikes. It does not spike to sneak in and try to waylay him over the back of the head without him looking. I don't care about that. I really don't. It doesn't mean it doesn't. I don't care. I want that bull to get into the timber, and that's where I'll work him. And so I need him to get into the cover. I say timber, just meaning cover. It can be anything, like I said before, willows. It can be aspens. It can be tall brush, junipers. It doesn't matter. Whatever it takes to get him into the cover so that if I call, he cannot see me. He has to keep coming to investigate the call. And so depending on the time of year, if I came into, and I don't hunt a lot of, of, of timberline, I'm going to hunt at the timber because these elk are going to come into it anyway. If you guys want to run out there and run those elk all over the mountainside, and that's what you're going to do without really killing them, you got to get them in the cover. Unless, like I said, you can get into areas where that bull beds and now he's approachable wind-wise and cover and undulation of the terrain. If those rest, If that's not part of the recipe, good luck. You're not going to kill that bull. You're not even going to get remotely close enough before you are spotted. And you're just going to blow them out of there and, and smarten them up. You, you've probably done that because you want them so bad that you think you can do it, but they're just not that stupid. You have to have the cover and you have to have the wind. And, and, and that's why I like watching animals like that, and I have done that. I watched this bull on an opening for over a week. Nobody was hunting this area. Nobody. I watched him with his cows for over a week. I watched a single bull as a nice six-point bull, and I didn't go after him because he was in, it was in an opening. I couldn't get to him, and I was waiting for him to, to for a cow to come into heat. And I watched this guy through a spotter every evening. I would go over there and watch this bull. Nothing milling around. Nothing da 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 da. Nothing. I mean, you could tell there was no other bulls around him. <clears throat> And he was not betting in an area I could do anything with with the calls. Nothing. He was too far away from it. I finally watched this bull one evening, and he started raking a wallow. I didn't even know there was a wallow there. It was sitting right there, but it was too far away for me to see it. It About a mile and a half as I was glassing. And he was throwing crap everywhere. And I kept watching him, and there was a – I saw – it's a rocky area, and there was a one satellite bull above him. And I could see him. He's probably 150, maybe 200 yards looking right down on the group. And I could not hear them. They were too far away. But I could see their mouth and their head pick up. I knew they were bugling. I could tell they were bugling each other, but I couldn't hear a thing. So I, I told my son, I said, that bull's ready to die. I've been watching and watching. He's ready to die right now. I can now call this bull. We go over there the very next morning. We park. We slip all the way into where we feel this bull is. And I mean, within 90 seconds. I called this bull into 30 yards and Paul killed him. And so Jeez. just being patient and knowing where that bull was, he was in that opening. But once I knew he had a hot cow coming in, they were moving off into the timber. They started getting out of that opening. They were going to show some pressure. And I did see him go into the timber before right at dark. I mean, almost like I didn't want to risk it. 
you know, as I watched them for this week. But I knew that's what they were doing more and more of as the pressure came in from the satellites. And so I had a real hunch that he was going to be in that timber first thing in the morning. And so I got in there almost an hour before daylight, but waited and waited right at daylight. And within 90 seconds, he bugled me one time. That was it once. And in 90 seconds, he just came flying in there. He did not like that other bull being that close. I was actually closer than I thought to him. I didn't know where he was. He wasn't saying anything and called him in that quick only because he had a hot cow now. And now he's being very defensive to anything around him. He didn't like that. But so there are times, you know, that that comes into play. But to, to kill a bull early season, like our season starts August 30th. OK, if I come across an area that I can see a satellite or two or three in a bachelor group, they're not with the cows yet. And I will come across elk like that. And I don't have to be above timberline. I mean, I can be in the opening and you can just see him. What is the best way to call that elk if calling needs to be used? If you can see him going to timber and there's a trail in there and you can get ahead of him and the wind is right. Yeah, you can ambush him. I mean, who doesn't know that? Or if you know the water they're using. You can go over there and sit the water and ambush him at the water, you know, or back off the trail if the wind isn't right. Go up the trail 150 yards until the wind is good because that's the trail they're going to use to go to the water or to a mineral lake or to their feeding or bedding area. If you want to intercept them in those areas, and that's what a lot of guys do that do kill some of those nice bulls. But those same bulls can still be called. They're not just oblivious to calling. It's just that you got to be using the right sounds at the right time. You got to check their emotion. What's their emotion level right now? Nothing. Yeah, they could care less about a cow. Care, but but you know what they do care about? Another bull. That's what they care about. They they're getting their pecking order arranged right now. They're they know who's the top of the food chain, who's the biggest herd bull, then the next one down, the next one down, the next one down. They display. They have displaying areas, and as they lose their velvet, you're going to see these displaying areas where there's 30, 40, 50 trees, all in these little small areas where they're all displaying and rubbing everything. As they lose their velvet, they start lightly sparring, but they display for one another and they size each other up. They know who's who in the pecking order. So if I come across two or three satellites or whatever bulls there are out there, my number one way to bring that bull in, no cow calls. I do nothing but bugles. I advertise myself as a new bull in that area. And what do you think those bulls are thinking? Who the hell is that? They don't know who he is. And they know each other, but they don't know this one. And so I get in there and I advertise and I rake and I display, but I'm not challenging anything. I'm changing my pitch. I'm I'm not calling predictably. I'm not a tape recorder. So I'm reaching out and I'm letting all the elk in the area know there's a new kid on the block. And I do this in an advertising manner. Like I say, you can do some chuckling, like grunt. You're squealing. You're being given in the lonesome Charlie sound. You're non-aggressive, but you're non-stop. I will do this for 2020. 25 minutes nonstop, just enough to get my breath, get a tight setup because they're coming. They got to come and see who you are. They won't make a sound. Nothing. We rarely ever call a bull in when it's early season, especially that ever makes a peep. I could make all the cow calls in the world and those most of those bulls will never show up. They could care less. They're away from the cow groups. If they wanted cows and were interested, they wouldn't be up on this mountain over here. They'd be down there where the cows are. But see, they haven't gotten to those urges aren't there yet and no cows are coming in. So the spark is another bull. And that's how we kill a bunch of these bulls early season is we just set up and advertise. You can call in a big bull as well as a, a, a little five point. It doesn't matter. It's whoever shows up first is what happens. And so as you advertise yourself. 
they need to know who that bull is. And, and, and the reason why it works so well, Zach, is because guys get this in their mind that, okay, a, a bull has cows and he's going to be the one that breeds them when they come in. Well, yeah, he is, but he's not the only one. Four to six yeah. bulls will breed that single cow. Remember, we talked about it before, and it's so important to understand that, that when you got 10, 12 bulls in an area, half of them, if not more, will end up breeding some of those cows. So that's why they represent this pecking order or this dominance and strength and will advertise themselves when they're around a herd bull with a hot cow. Now they're advertising these three or four bulls so that when the herd bull is done and spent and this cow still wants to be covered because she's in for 12 to 15 hours and he's done in an hour and a half, she now seeks out the next best uh, a breeder that she feels is a good one to 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 breed her so she can have a good strong healthy calf and that's what she does so these bulls know that it's not just one bull it's a bunch of these that can be a breeder and so for me to come in as a new kid on the block they got to know who i am and that is how i pull so many of these bulls away but what the normal hunter does is he'll get in there make some cow calls and maybe he'll bugle and he'll wait a few minutes because these bulls won't say anything. Uh, many of them will melt right into the timber, and they look, look, wait, nothing, nothing. These bulls sometimes, like I say, 20, 30 minutes, and all of a sudden, here they come. It's real slow. They don't just come running at you. It just gives them a direction. So to be able to put that up, uh, that fuss up, and to be annoying, and to keep calling and calling and calling with a bugle like that, when there's not other hunters around, of course, then it pulls them right into you. It just pulls it. Their curiosity gets the best of them. And that is how we call a lot of these bulls. We are not using cow calls this early. It's just they don't care. Very rare. Does it mean no elk would ever come to a cow call early? No. But the odds aren't good. And that's why I prefer the bugle at that time over the cow sounds because I've had better results by far. Now, as it can creeps up into the third, fourth, fifth, and now these bulls are starting to show signs. And this is still early season to a lot of hunters yes now you can try to pull a bull in but let me tell you something you get a bull you get a joe blow one out of a hundred one out of a thousand that calls in a really good bull with a cow call and he tells everybody on the internet to how you kill big bulls well i'll tell you something <laughs> for over 15 years i used to use for the first week of the season out of these 40 years that i've hunted elk 15 years of it i have used Cold calling, creative cow calling sequences, getting really excited, sitting in places for hours at a time. Not one time, and this is the truth, have I ever called a six-point bull in. Never. I've called hundreds and hundreds of elk in using cold calling, creative cow calling sequences. Hundreds of them. Cows, spikes, raghorns. And why? Because they're the ones that come in first because there's so many more of them than the mature bulls. But doesn't mean the mature bulls weren't interested, but there's so many of these unwanted that show up first and they seek you out if you're not going to shoot one. They keep looking and looking. The next thing you know, they either see you or they get behind you and wind you and they blow everything out of the area. So I quit doing that years ago. I do not use those sequences. It's okay for people that are trying to shoot any elk. It's a really good system, actually. It just brings elk in left and right. It really does. It, it's, just, it's magic. But if you're looking for branch antler bulls, I tailor my calling now that I'm only interested in bulls with horns. That's it. And so I try to tailor my calling and reduce 
the 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 chance of cows or spikes showing up first and and so i like going to those slow, slow play type things where a, a, a hot cow is coming in it just hardly ever brings the cows in they could care less it's the bull that shows up first and or or my advertising bugling or aggressive calling whatever it is but i'm targeting the herd bull or i'm targeting targeting at least a good five or six point and that's what we kill these days i mean we just are not interested in the spikes and the three points we let those all get a pass so to be able to do that, and for guys to say we cow call and kill big bulls, they're so full of it. I mean, they might have got one, but I'm talking. I want to see a guy that cow called and killed 25 of them. That's yeah, what I want to yeah. see. No, they're ambushing them. They're sneaking on them. They're getting in a great area where there's enough cover or undulation that they can actually put the stock on them without calling. And when that happens, that's fine. But it's just not everywhere that takes place. Me, I wait for him to get in the timber. And you can call big bulls. Look at the that one bull I called in for Paul last year, 345 and four eights. I called him to 17 yards. That's a really good bull, Zach, a really good bull. And, 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 and I called this bull from over 350 yards away. Never saw him. I just heard him and, and brought that bull in. And so can you call bigger bulls? Man, you got to communicate with them, though. People say, I can call good. Yeah, I make cow sounds, I make bulls, but they have no idea what they're saying. I try to communicate with that elk. So when I get him answering my cow call, and I'm also bugling, I then invite him over. I don't just keep the hammering on the cow call. I now use the regathering sound. Tell him to come on over. And how did I end up getting this bull so close? As I kept pounding him with the regathering sound and, 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 and me being the bull, scolding my cow for, for inviting that bull through pants and, and, and raking and, and, and pushing her around and trying to make a big scuffle, trying to hold her there. And the cow still wanting that bull. And once I started hitting the contact buzz and started screaming over the top of it because he kept trying to call her away and she was trying to continue to call him all i did was get that bull to race the last 150 yards to 17 yards and i mean i'm sitting there watching my son he's standing right in front of me we're in the timber so we're very close and i see him draw a bull comes around i can't see the bull i can just hear him and he comes running the bull probably came 35 yards to me and was just going to come through the timber but paul shot him at 17 yards so i mean why he didn't need him any close but again it took me 25 minutes to call that bull in see most people they get if nothing happens within five to ten, they're like, oh, this isn't going to happen. He's not interested. But they but they are. You just have to know how to work them and not get too carried away with your calling. But communicate when he answers your answer. And if he's not answering, you give him a reason to answer. You see, and that's how you get a bull on the defense. Every time you can get a bull on the defense and you make him respond to you, you don't want to respond to him or he's got you. He's making you make all the moves. And he is going to be on top every time. So if you're not responding like he thinks you should or acting that way, you will end up losing that bull. I want him to respond and act the way I want him to. And so I make every bull I come across, I turn the tables on him. Whatever it's going to take me, I'm listening to him. And I'm turning the tables to make him make that last move other than once in a blue moon. I will have him cow call me to him and I roll right at him because do I have to do that? No, but I love the challenge of it. It's so exciting when you're running at him calling like that and he's calling you the whole way. He's nonstop calling and it's just very, very exciting. And sometimes you get there at 50 yards and you still can't see him or you see and there's a cow or two or three right there you didn't see and they blow out of there and I'm ready and I scream that bugle real fast, hot and heavy. And here he comes. 
because he hears his cows running. Now there's a bull standing right there where this other cow was running. You see, they don't reason things out like that. But all of a sudden you put that extra factor in there that the cows ran because this new bull come running in and he's just right there. The real bull that they come flying in. I mean, just right there as a physical appearance. You better be ready because when you bugle, your arrow better be knocked. It's fast. There's none of this screaming at five bugles apiece. No, he's he's on you in an instant. And that's generally what happens. I'm, I'm talking one out of 20 would not come in like that. Most of them all do. So it would be a very unusual situation for that bull to stay back for you not to give him a, just a serious, high emotional bugle right behind, you know, right when you're on top of him. So, I mean, you're always thinking because something happens out there and they didn't read that chapter you know you want it to go this way but sometimes you have to adjust on the fly and 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 still get that tag punched and that's what we try to do you can imagine look how many elk we kill they're just they're not scripted these are over the counter public land do it yourself bulls and yeah sometimes we just go through a simple sequence and here they come other times, man, we're trying to throw the kitchen sink at him. We're hitting him with the pants, the glunks, you know, the huffing groans, along with a scream behind. I mean, you're really mixing it up because you're selling them that you're really an elk. They hear it all out there, Zach. Yeah. They hear all these guys bugling. They hear all these challenges. They hear Cal calling the bugle over him. No, I like to wait for him to answer my call. I, I'm, when I when I call to him, when I try to encourage him to come over to me, I'm ready to pounce over the top of him because I know he's he's going to get excited. I'm not just giving a social cow call. I am now telling him to come over. You see, and sometimes when I'm when I'm going at the bull, I will use the regathering as I go right at him. And you see, and, and when he's answering at that hot and heavy, again, you're just mixing it up and giving him what he wants. I so many times I was watching a video the other day uh, of hunters and and they were bugling and cow calling, bugling. This bull was just screaming at him back and forth, and they had a shooter up front. The caller was in the back, and he kept every time he cow called. That bull went nuts. Every time he bugled, he's trying to bugle over the top of his cow. The bull never said a sound. Nothing. He cow calling that bull, scream. He bugled. This happened like six times back and forth. All I'm thinking is, dude, he could care less about your bugle. He is not responding. He's not getting worked up. You are not raising his emotional level at all. Nothing. Let the bugle go. Send your shooter in right now, cow calling. And as the shooter runs in, cow calling, you now try to call your cow back. That's what the bugler needs to do. When you got that two guy thing, you run that guy in and the bull is just continually calling the cow. And to make it real, have the bu your bugler now try to call the cow back. He's getting pissed. He's upset she's leaving him and choosing the other bull. You make it real. You see how you change it on a fly. I know it's a solo thing, but I'm just trying to show you. I can do this by myself. I've done it by myself where a bull kept answering my cow call. And all of a sudden now I would turn around with my bugles. I ran at him cow calling yeah, 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 and I turn around yeah, making my cast my bugle behind me. So he thinks that this bull is still calling the cow back and it just gives him the confidence. It's a real situation and that this cow is choosing him and here she comes. So he, I play that game as a solo guy. And so don't think that this is just a tag team thing. You can do that. And as you're playing those things, those roles sometimes, it, 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 as an elk is coming, I can hear him sometimes coming in in my slow play, and he's coming to my right, and he's not really coming in where I need him to because it's thick or he's getting a little out of range. He's not coming in downwind. He's still coming in okay. I may have some rocks or something right next to me. So I, I need him to come more to the left. So I just throw him over there and he can't see me or a big stick. And when he hears it, it can redirect him and come right by me. 
You see, I'm bring, I'm changing his direction. Even though he's not coming to me, he's just going to come closer. So sometimes as a lone hunter, you want to be prepared for these things. And even when I'm with my son, a lot of times I and we we talk about this a lot. We get these obstacles, these these big old chunks of rock, softball size, or big fat little sticks two feet long, just in case as he's coming in, even with the shooter, and like crap, he's coming in too far to the right. This isn't going to work. So you you know you cast your sound over here, and then you throw something, and it's like. They redirect and start going to where it sounds like an elk was moving or running over there. And especially if it's a rocket rolls, you know, wants to go three or four or five yards and it just sounds so realistic. And so as a solo hunter, you know, you guys think of these things. Be prepared when you're at your setup spot to be able to redirect something that's coming if it's not coming, you know, in a, in a decent shooting lane. Because these elk sometimes they don't read those chapters. They just come in how they want to come in. But when you sell it right, I can tell you this. Rarely will a bull elk ever come in downwind of you. Hardly ever. He will come the shortest route. And I have found this, that when an elk starts circling around you, it's because you've created suspicion in his mind. If you can alleviate that, you will have most elk come straight at you. They, do you think they go in downwind on every elk they ever hear? No, not even close. They come, they go to that animal. You know, do, do whatever the situation is. And I can tell you out of my gosh, I don't even know how many years have, have went by. I could count on one hand out of hundreds of call-ins, one hand where an elk tried to come in downwind on me. They hardly ever do it. But what you read on the Internet and you read books and they go, oh, they all try to come in downwind when you're calling. Set up over here because they're going to come in. Bull crap. If they're doing that, <laughs> you're doing something wrong. And you know how you know how they, they get suspicious. Here's a guy doing a cold calling sequence, right? He's doing a cold, here. I'm going to show you exactly what how hunters go wrong. He's going through the motion and he's he's doing all these sounds. He's been doing it for 10, 15 minutes. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, 60, 70 yards away, elk can't see him. He can't see them. They're still like, okay. He wants you to come over to him. That's what he just did. And the hunters are, oh, the elk's right there. He's right there, old man. And so they keep cow calling. No. Now you ask him to come over. That's where they go wrong, and they don't get it. Now you go. <coughs> you do it three or four or whatever. That is now the regathering. She changes her tone, and that's asking him to come over. You see, now you're talking to the elk. He asked you, hey, where are you right there? Come on over. And she's going, no, no, you come over here. Just come over here. Instead of just giving social cow sounds, just saying there's like an elk there, you are talking to him like if your buddy was over there. And he said, hey, Zach, come over. And you go, no, no, I want you coming over here. Oh, okay. You know, that's the kind of situation it is. There's nothing desperate there. The bull got there. He said, hey, come over. I'm over here now. You know, I just came 300 yards. And you go, no, I just come over here. And that's what you're doing. If you want to get insisted, that's when you go. And this is more urgent, more, come on over here. No, no, I don't want to come over there. You come over here. And that's what you're doing in your communication. And people aren't doing it. They're just continuing with their cow call that worked in the first place. And there's no, uh, you know, I'm talking to you. You're talking to me. That's where people need to understand the sounds that elk make and what the message is being sent. And when you start doing this, it makes sense to the bull. And if he comes in. And he's hanging up. And I mean, I see legs. I've killed two bulls like this. And he's coming in. And he's not giving me the shot. He's still in the, in the, in the clear. I just go. Ow. 
That's what I do to him. And he knows exactly. I'm now. I'm telling him I want to see him. I know something's right there. Is that you? I want to see you. And out he steps right there. But it doesn't happen very often because I don't get in that situation where they come in and they just stop there. They usually are still coming and I have to stop them for a shot. But once in a blue moon, you have to give them that little bit of a grunt, that little nervous grunt. And you can do it without the bugle. That's all you do. And, and, and they know you're asking an action out of them. You didn't go, meow, which asks nothing, just says there's an elk there. But you're asking an action out of them when you give them that nervous cry. I want to see you. I see something. I hear something right there. So identify what you are. I want a visual. And that's what they're doing. The same when they do it to you. When they come in, you've heard it, 80 yards, 100, and they think, I should see you right now, and they don't see you, and they hit you with that grunt. They're like, so hey, when I'm they do elk. it, what are you? <laughs> you see, and so what do most people do? They're, Shut up. Or they try to bark back. Yeah. Tell them to come over. Give them the, give them the regather. Okay, he's he going, okay, I don't see you now. Come on over here. So you just go. And so now you're telling him to come over. You're communicating with him. But a cow call is not communicating with him. It's going, yeah, yeah. And if you bark at him and he barks at you, how really, how far does that go? You need to use a heart to ever kill that elk. I mean, he ends up wandering off. My number one way to kill that elk, I mean, I love talking with them and going through the motion of having the cow do that. But my number way to kill that bull that barks at me, and he's 60 yards or whatever he is. And I was using a cow sound generally or whatever I was using. It doesn't matter what I was using to get him to that point. I revert to a cow sound and I run right at him. Don't give him a chance to think about anything. Just go straight at him. Okay. And don't let him see you. The wind's there. Keep obstruction between and just run straight at him. Boom, 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 boom. And as soon as you know you, he's really close, that's when you stop a knock and arrow and you step out real quick. Because he's not going anywhere. He's standing right there and he thinks it's a cow. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, you don't get him. That's what you do when they hit that. Because how many times have you ever noticed when they give you that nervous grunt or nervous bark, how long they stay there? Forever. I've had them stay there six, seven, eight minutes and pace back and forth and keep hitting me with it. Hit, yeah. hit me with it. But when you, but, but what you do when you throw that cow sound out and you stay and he keeps giving it to you, what are you doing? You're hanging up. He's not hanging up. You are. He's telling you to come over. Don't go over there. That's my point. That's what I do. I just and hit him, get the cover and go right at him as quick as you can. You don't I mean, I don't mean you run, but you cover the ground real quick and you keep calling. So he knows you're coming. You've had that's what he asked you to do. And like I say, you stop, knock, draw. This is what I've done on several bulls. Draw and then step out. And when I do, the look on their face is priceless. They're like, you think they're going to run and jump like a whitetail. They don't budge. They're just. They're like beside themselves, totally don't know what to think. And, of course, the arrow's gone by then. We're not talking 50-yard shots here. We're talking the elk is just right there on the other side of the cover. And when you do, I mean, they're just right there, and boom, you slide that arrow right through them before they even know what happened. They're thinking they're going to see a cow. So when they see you instead of it, I'm telling you right now, hunters out there, it doesn't register with them very fast. It really uh, – plenty of time to put your pin on them, let it fly. And they just – they, they're second-guessing their thoughts. Of what they're seeing because all they heard was an elk. And now all of a sudden you step out as a, a no elk, it, it confuses them. And they will stop right there and just stare right at you. And they're done. And so, you know, it's one of the ways to combat that nervous grunt. Don't sit back and go into a nervous grunt combat war because 
you hardly will ever win that. But sometimes, yes, you can use that. Come on over here, cow sound, because you can't. There's not enough cover or the wind's not right. So you have to go to a different measure. Sometimes you can just give them that short bugle. Like you want him to come over here, the emotional level of a, like a come on over roundup type bugle that he will do with you or a cow. So there's little things you can do to try to still persuade him to come over. But to get in a barking fight combat, hardly ever will you ever win that. No, you come here. No, you come here. No, you come here. I want to see you. No, I want to see you. It doesn't work. So you kind of change it up right there when you can't just go at them because of the cover's not there. So, I mean, you know, you, 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 but everything's in communication. When you start understanding what each sound represents or what each level of emotion represents, whether it's a cow sound or a bull sound. Yeah, yeah. So once you start getting those things down, man, I tell you, it's a game changer out there. Absolutely. I could, yeah, I, I, and that's, and I think that's, you know, myself included, I think that's a lot of weakness of elk hunters is, don't really understand what's being said or in what context. So you revert back to, well, so-and-so said to just cow call. So I'm just going to try cow calling back. And it, that just, that just doesn't work all that often. <laughs> no, or they'll say the elk weren't ready. They're not aggressive yet. Or they're just, the rut's not going. This has nothing to do with it. When you understand the situation that you're dealing with right there, and then the communication that you're going to use fits that. And people are just trying to use two or three sounds and, and apply to every situation. And when it works, it works. And when it don't, oh, well, that's how they are. But when you start understanding it, I could have used this sound or this sound because this means this or that. I could have changed the whole, you know, complexity of that thing. Complexion of easily. I could have easily made it from this to this, but I didn't know that. Now, guys, you're starting to understand what these sounds represent to the L, and it can make a huge difference in closing, you know, closing the deal with these bulls. And, and, and so instead of just throwing a few things out there and hoping they stick, no, you, you, you start putting them on the, on the defense and you make them respond to you. Use the sounds that they expect to hear in that communication. Think of it like you're talking to a buddy out there. That's how you want to do it. Like, hey, I'm over here. Hey, I'm over here. Hey, I'm over here. Hey, I'm over here. That's all you're saying over and over and over. You're not. Com there's no communication there. You see, or where are you? Where are you? Where are you? every sound you're saying is where are you? Instead of saying, hey, I'm over here. OK, why don't you come over here? And that's what you start needing to do. Get away from that. Everything is a challenge or everything is just a normal. There's a cow over there with a cow sound. No, start changing the tone of it to represent a different message that fits that bull. And And, and when you start doing it. That's how you build your confidence. You're going, my God, this crap works. I've called this bull and this one. You should see the calls I get. You, it would blow your mind. I have guys saying, Paul, I used to call two out of 15 bulls in. I am now calling 12 out of 13 bulls out of the 15. I've never done this in my life. All I've done was change my calling to try to talk to him. That's all I've done. He says, I'm, I'm no better caller I was then as I am right now. All I've done was change. I'm learning to, what to say. And they say, I can't believe how it's made this big of a difference. And I, that's all, what I try to sh you know share with people. Be, but the problem, a lot of it relies on some of these top elk hunters out there. And they'll say, oh, you don't need to know that. You don't need to know that. If you can hunt for 30 straight days, sooner or later, this system of two or three things will, will eventually work. And they're right. It will. But look at all the lost ones out there. And maybe if you're a six or seven day hunter and that's all you can hunt the entire month and only come into three encounters the entire time, which is not unusual, 
you better make the best of those because those may be the only ones you come across or you maybe the elk are real quiet or you come across that bull like you did and and I'm going to wait till the evening. I've done that very thing. And you know what happens when in the evening? It's like those elk vanished. I've never even did see them come out. It gets dark and I don't and I know they went in there and they must have came out somewhere but I never saw them. It's not like, oh, if I bed them there and, and, when, and when evening comes, it's automatic they're going to come out where I'm going to see them. No way. So I try to make things happen because I have other places to be. If I don't kill that bull right there, I will be in a different spot tomorrow. I will not babysit that elk. I know I can call that elk out of there. I'm not going to wait for anything because I'm already there, and maybe I'm five miles in, and I don't want to go back, or three miles, or whatever. I'm going to make something happen with this situation now, or today is the last day of my hunt, or it's a second to the last day. I don't have time to come back in here four more times. You see? And so but, and so, I'm trying to give you information and tactics that could apply and work right there when things are tight. You know, not everybody can hunt the entire hunting season. It's just that's how it is. So sometimes you have to make the best of a situation that presents itself. And with the more knowledge and understanding of the elk sounds, the better chances you're going to have of raising curiosity in something when they're not ready and bring them over. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. That makes <laughs> complete sense. That's what we do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's what you have to do. So and it really, works. one of the last questions that I have is – um. I obviously know that you mentioned calling in wide open areas like sagebrush and things like that is not a good idea because obviously the elk can see forever and they realize that there's not an elk over there. Um, well, they ask you many times when you call in the open and people will say, I called and they just took off. Well, what they don't tell you is I called and they gave a few sounds and then they took off. And many times when they call, they may be doing that regathering sound or give a nervous grunt, but they, they're asking you to come on over. And when you don't recognize it, you think, okay, they're making some sounds, and then they took off. What happened? Well, they asked you to step out or show yourself or come over, and you can't do it. That's why I don't call them in the open like that. I just leave them be. I wait for them to sift out of there. So understand that part. So, you know, but I also realize that – that in some units, uh, and in uh, last time you and I talked, we talked a little bit about you guys hunting a few units that were mostly wide open stuff. So, you know, if your unit mm -hmm. is lowland, desert type country, then what? Mm -hmm. You know, because hunting like the place I hunt in Colorado is is exactly like that. There's not a lot of cover <laughs> that you can get to. A lot of the stuff I hunt in Wyoming, there's not a lot of cover. Mm -hmm. You know, it's I find it. I go to the cover. Anything else? <laughs> and, and, and you're right. That that area we went to Wyoming last year had one little pocket of timber, and we circled that unit. I don't know how many times trying to get a lay of the land. There was no timber. Yeah. It was just one little mount. It was one mountainside. It was a big one though. Well, compared to the unit, it wasn't big. Big. It was about three quarters of a mile long, maybe a half a mile high, and that was it. That was nothing. That was like just a pin drop in that unit. The rest was all sagebrush. And we saw elk out there. Don't get me wrong. There were elk out there. <clears throat> but everybody in the world chasing those elk. There yeah. were so many four-wheelers inside. By They were everywhere, glassing them and then going after them. I never saw one dead elk when we were over there. Not one. <laughs> and so – and I'm not saying nobody ended up killing them. But see, that's a unit that if you don't kill them with a bow – you can hunt it with a rifle. And to me, that's rifle country. Unless you can get into an area secluded. You know, if I found an area that I knew the elk were using and there was a water hole or a wallow and it's in the open, okay, 
And as a solo hunter, and I was telling my son this, I said, you know what I would do? I said, and I and, and, and I wanted to hunt him in that open because this one monster bull was just using it. I would come in there about two to three hours before daylight, and I would be anchored where the wind was right and be within range, maybe pull some of the sagebrush up and get me a little blind and sit there and wait for these elk to show up at that thing. Because you're not going to go over there in the daylight and sneak in. No yeah, way. No way. I, you're going to have to be uncomfortable there for a while, maybe even longer. But you're going to have to be in a very uncomfortable environment and plant yourself there so that when they come in, you're already there. You see, and I was just, you know, I was telling them, you know, that was the thing. But we like calling so much we didn't even consider it. So we went over. But you see, as a solo hunter, people, if you want that big bull sometimes and they're, they're the only ones hitting this one area and it's right in the middle of nothing and no way in the world you could sneak in with your bow. Yeah, yeah. that Especially is one of the daylight. things they have to do. <laughs> yeah, you have to go there at dark when they're not there and you need to burrow yourself in. And still be in a position to be able to to draw and shoot your bow. But you're going to have to be there and not let them wind you. The wind's going to have to be in your favor. It's a real risky thing. But sometimes, you know, to have a big reward, you have to have some risk. It's just how it is. But as a solo hunter, it's something that you can consider to get in these areas that 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 you're going to beat them there. You see, and so that's, you know, it is a, a consideration. But to hunt those open areas, I wait for them to get in the timber. When we hit them in the timber, we saw these elk all over in this unit, and that's exactly what we did. We waited for elk to get in the timber, and that's where we went in. And, of course, there was there was a lot of different bulls up there. We could hear certain ones. We saw some as we were moving in, driving in on these old little skid roads that we were we, we were actually in a, you know, you know, side by side as we were we came about maybe 15 miles from where we were camped. And as we got back into that timber, there was nobody. Not one person was hunting the timber because you had to climb. They all wanted to just w drive around and glass these elk. That's what they were doing. And I mean, there was a lot of them. We probably saw 40 of these, you know, between four wheelers and side by sides and vehicles. They were everywhere in this unit. And so once we hit the mountain where you had to actually work for something and start climbing, there was not one person up there. And yeah. we got right into the bulls. And with 20 minutes, I called that bull in and, and Paul killed him, like I said, at 17 yards. And so we were very happy with that. It was a great bull. And, 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 and out we, we left. We were, we were done. And so that's what we did there. And so if I'm hunting any area, I don't care what state it is, Arizona, I got to wait for him to get in the cover. Because I know my odds skyrocket for a successful attempt to call this bull in. Yeah, and my odds, sense. you know. Well, that's just how they are. They just skyrocket. That's my strength is calling. And so for you to go out and try to slip through open terrain. Now, if there's just enough cover and undulation and on, on these, even though it's called above, you know, above timberline, there's still timber up there. There's still little pockets in somebody. If you can catch those elk in those areas where you can slip through or come around the backside of the mountain and wait for the thermals to come up. And they're bedded three quarters of the way up and you can come up over the other side and slip down on them quietly. There's the, always those chances. I've done it with mule deer, you know, as we're hunting those. And that and, and a lot of times what happens is you're going a mile and a half out of your way and that sucker's only a quarter mile in front of you. But there's no what there's no there's no avenue to get to him. So you have to say, okay. I'm a diehard hardcore hunter. I'm going to all the way around that mountain. I'm gonna get right near the peak. And I'm not going to move until I know that wind is coming straight up that mountain. And I know where he's bedded. He bedded there at 10, 1030. He'll stay there till five o'clock. He may get up and mill around and dink and get some feed, but he'll lay back down. He's not going to leave the area. And so when I come up and over and the wind is right, if I can slip down and get in bow range, you see, those are things that you can do. But that elk has to bed 
in an area where it's negotiable for you to get at him without him ever seeing or smelling you. If he doesn't, I like to know what the magic wand method is. There is none. You know, and you, things have to line up. Things have to work out where they bed that they become approachable, even though you have to do your homework and make sure, uh, you know, that you're in good physical shape or that the wind is, is going to cooperate. Because when you sneak on an elk, the wind is your number one concern. And you almost can only do it early morning and in the evening because during the day on those open hillsides, You've probably experienced it, man. The wind's going good one second and going the other direction, another and another direction. Seconds later, it's just swirling everywhere. You know, on the, when, when there's no timber and the sun's hitting the mountain. I mean, it's just it's a mess up there. And if they catch oh, one little glimpse of, or sand of you, they won't come back. They're done. Yeah, they're gone. You bet them. You walk out of the bedding area and they won't come back. <laughs> So, see, that's what I mean is the risk is great when you start doing those things. Okay, I'll go find another elk, and that's true. And that's what we do if we're calling and something goes away in the in the timber. But I can tell you, I will take that same bull and watch him for a week until he finally gets in the timber. That's where I'll kill him. I will be that patient with that bull. Knowing my odds are like nothing to be so lucky to kill him in that opening where he's almost unapproachable, that's why he's there, i got to wait for him to get in the timber. And sometimes it means that's when the cows start coming in, their urges. They're, you see, they know the cows are coming in, and they can hear the bugling. They can hear the competition going down there. So it's alerting them. They don't even have to run down and scent check anything. They can tell by the bugling down there that there's activity. Cows are coming into heat, and this can pull them, and they'll slowly make their way down into that timber where the cows are because they have the same urges. So, you know, I don't want to be that guy up there because the conditions aren't right and push that bull all over the country just because he was so big. Big deal. You're probably never going to get him, but you got to get him into cover. That is when he's vulnerable, and when you're working a good bull, especially a a big, wise old bull – you got one really good chance to call him in. After that, he really, really smartens up. So if you think I'm going to run over there and give some cow calls and bugles and he's lethargic and you push him, good luck trying to call him in a second time. He's 340 plus for a good reason. He's no dummy. He won't fall for that. So I've noticed on big bulls, I have two ways to kill him. If I don't kill him on the first attempt through you know, a slow play or bugling or being aggressive because that's what the situation called for and I, we blow it, we don't get him. I can always fall fall on making contact with him once he gets aggressive again. Cal's coming into heat. Cal call him when he invites me. I can run at him cow calling because, see, those are two different methods now. I have those two opportunities on that bull. But if I try to bugle and slow play and go through all my same old sounds, a lot of times he won't fall for it a second time. The young bulls will. You can get them to come in several different times. And give him a pass, but not an old smart old bull. You got like those two opportunities. I've been in real thick country where guys are trying to call him out and those bulls are only 20 yards away and they can't see him to kill him. And I've told him, I said, what you need to do when you get in that thick country like that, they're trying to call you over. Go straight to the cow call and run right at them until you can touch their nose. I'm serious because you can get that close. They think you're the cow coming in. And these guys have actually started killing some of those really nice bulls when they realize, wait a minute. You mean I just have to cow call and run right at him and they'll stay there? Yeah, they'll stay right there. But go ahead and bugle at him and run like that. And a lot of times they keep their distance a little bit, you see. (laughs) Or if you set up at 20, 30 yards and call and you want them to come over, they won't do it. They stay right there. Again, we're talking about the bigger bulls in the area that are really smart. And they just won't make that last move when it's so thick. Normally in an area, you're 20, 30 yards, you're going to get a shot. 
they're going to materialize. But there are areas of repod and willows that are so thick that you literally have to go right to them to kill them. And, and, and one bull in particular was a friend of mine he killed, and he was a 360-inch bull. And that bull right there, he had him at 25 yards, and he said, all I could think of, he bull wouldn't come to him. And he kept cow calling. He goes, all I could think of was, Paul said, run at him, run at him, run at him. Well, what happens? He runs at the bull. He says, I literally get 10 yards, and there he is staring. I draw back, and my arrow starts coming off my rest. I was so nervous. I got it back on, and he shot him with a frontal at 10 yards away. He says, I, and he came to me. He said, Paul, I would have, I, he was at camp. He says, I would have never, ever thought of doing that, ever. I just, I need the bull to come to me. I would have never thought that. Okay, he's calling me. I need to go at him, and he's going to stay. And sure as heck, and you should see that bull. I mean, I've seen it several times. I mean, this is a big bull. Yeah, and yeah. that's how he killed that bull. So never think those little things don't work. They really do. I mean, you're 20, 25. You think, oh, anybody could have killed that bull. But you can't even see him. It's so thick at times. So tailor your calling to what's going to work and run right at him. So, you know, it's just those little tricks. I mean, as a solo hunter, you need to know these types of things. Yeah. You know, there's I, I, there's nothing that two people could have even done there. You still have to make your move. And sometimes as a tag teamer, you turn into that solo hunter. You know, seriously, you really do because, yeah, you have a collar back there, but it's not working. And so you have to change gears in your head and make something happen and go at that animal. And, you know, there's a lot of ways to look at it. But hopefully there's enough information here. Guys can start weighing things and see what might be best for a situation or any kind of situation that they may find themselves in. Oh man, I tell you what, I think, I think you definitely unloaded, uh, some excellent information. People are probably going to have to listen more than once. I know I'm going to have to go back and listen. <laughs> um, I couldn't, I couldn't write notes fast enough. Um, because <laughs> so much of that stuff, I have found myself in those situations. Um, you know, and it's just, and it's just like, for instance, where you were, where you were talking about the elk barking at you and you cow calling and, and running towards the elk. Like I never in a million years would I have thought to get, a, you know, something in between you and that elk and start cow calling and moving towards the elk as quickly as possible. Like that's just. I just would have never, never. But make, ever, it ever makes sense that. once you hear it. Yeah, it does. It's right when you say that, I'm just like, yeah. Well, if the elk is saying, "Hey, come over here," and you come over there, why would he run away? Right. If he, if they just stay right there. You, yeah, he just pop out and hey, there you are, 25 yards. I'll shoot you now. <laughs> like that sounds. And that's wonderful. pretty much what happens. <laughs> I mean, they really, you know, they just don't run. You think they're going to run, but they don't. They're like I say, they're not geared like a whitetail. They're wired like them. They're just not like that. Yeah. And, and and it's just like they're twisting their head and they're looking like they're trying to make this cow out out of you, you know. And and, it's, and of course, how long do you need once you've drawn and, and you're and they're right there? You don't need more than a second or two. That's it. I mean, your pin is there. You're not shooting 50 yards where you got to be, you know, much slower. No, a close animal. It's like shooting at a Volkswagen at that distance, you know, at 20 yards away or so. So it's not that hard to, to release. And once you start having it happen once or twice, you're, you, you'll start getting this calm nature about you because you expect them to still be there when you step out. You really yeah. do. I mean, exactly. they just don't like to move. They think it's a dang cow. And so anyway, it's just one little thing if you find yourself in that situation to consider it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Paul, as always, um, the podcast was completely 
jam-packed, full of information, Good. Um, specific information too. You know, not just like, hey, you should try this kind of elk call because I said so. <laughs> you know, like there's as you as you mentioned, there's so much of that out there, and it's really hard as a new elk hunter how to dis- decipher all of the information that is coming at you um, from all these different angles, you know, from all these different tips and tactics and approaches and everything like that. Uh, so it's really, really refreshing to hear some really specific directed information uh, from someone that has been so successful. So I can't thank you enough. And as always, I can't wait to have you back on the podcast because like I said, I've been taking notes like mad and that's why I was so <laughs> silent. I was just writing everything down and, uh, and I couldn't write fast enough. So I'm going to have to go listen to it again. And, uh, <laughs> and yeah, I no, just, you just have to get, you just have to get the app. Yeah. All of it's yeah on the I, app. I have, the, I have <laughs> the app too. I do. I have, I have the app as well. I know, uh, I know you do. I, I was kidding. And you know, the slow play and all these other tactics I was talking about, that's some new additions that's going to be on there Thursday or Friday. All this is going to be on the app. So all you have to do is go to your app store and upload this. If for all those that already have the, the Elknut app, all this, this slow play, all of these things and, you know, solo stuff, uh, tag team, there's already a ton on the app. I mean, there's a, a ton, but there's 10 new things coming up and it's going to be, you'll know when you have it, it'll say elk nuts nuggets. So all those new 10 things will be under that on the menu. So you guys go download it that, that already have it. And if you don't have the app, go get it. It'd be the best $9 and 95 cents you ever spent in your life. Yeah, actually, uh, real quick, uh, before I, before I head out of here, tell people just a little bit about the app, um, where it can be found and also a little bit about your guys' playbook and things like that so that people are able to utilize the things that, that you have out there to help people be even better. Okay. I can do that real quick. We have elknut.com is our, is our website. And just like it sounds, Elknut. <clears throat> and uh, there's different packages on there with DVDs, CDs, the playbook that explain elk sounds. It explains tactics, tips. And it's a little broader range to some degree than the app because the app kind of, you know, it, it keeps you to – they only allow you to put so much under a specific subject. So there is a little broader range. And to be quite honest with you, the best package in there for most hunters – is the very first one. If you look under packages and it says zero, zero, it'll say works well in wolf country. This just means it works anywhere, any state, any unit, public land, over the counter, draw. And that's what it means. But if you had that package for newer hunters, especially or ones who've hunted 15 years or less and you get that app, those things are a marriage partner. That app has a lot of what's in it, but not everything. And so the app will have all the different sounds that elk make, all the a category of cow, a category of bull. It will have audio of those sounds. It will have a 90-second video clip of every sound that a cow or bull makes, and I show you how to make that on an actual video clip. 90 seconds will show you how to make every little elk sound that you click on, and then you'll hear the real bull or the real cow or myself. And underneath each individual sound, there's 21 of them, there's a recording feature. So if you say, I want to listen to a challenge bugle, hear a bull make it, hear me make it, and then you can click the record and give your own sound right there and then listen to all three of them, compare yourself with them, see if you need to make adjustments. The same with the cow sounds. And then each sound will tell you the message being sent by that cow or bull. So now you can start building 
you know, your repertoire of what each sound means. What's the message being sent? And then there'll be a whole section on tips under every sound, and it'll be options of when to use the sound, when the elk use it, what do I do if I hear it, when do I use it, and it'll give you a lot of different tactics under every individual one of those on how to handle specific situations. So there's just so much on this thing. It shows you how to use a mouth read, how to choose a mouth read. I mean, the app is it's just loaded with stuff. That's awesome, and and I have uh, you know firsthand I've used the app. Uh, and the information on there is great, especially the sound clips and the videos, because, you know, you can read about, hey, you know, when you make this sound, press your lung, your tongue mm-hmm. here, and it should sound like this. But until you're, you know, able to actually hear the sound that it's supposed to sound like and see the videos of, of what he's actually doing, you know, the position of his tongue and mouth and on the read and everything like that, that in itself is super helpful. So, um, I encourage you all to go check out that app as well, as well as their website. Uh, it's, it's all geared towards making you be helping you be more successful in the elk woods. So it's, it's there to help you for sure. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and if you have an iPhone, you just go to your app store. If you have an Android, that'll be Google Play. And and usually you just go to your store and it'll have a search function. Click on the search, put ElkNet in, and up will come the app. And then right there, it will actually even give you a, a description of what the app is about and even a, a video of me explaining it there. So, yeah, go check it out. You guys will love it. If you're an elk hunter, this thing is amazing. And once you have it downloaded – it's on your phone. You do not need Wi-Fi in the woods. You can use this thing anywhere in the woods, but make sure your ringer is on. I get a lot of emails. I can see everything, but there's no nothing saying anything. It's because your ringer is off. And why videos have to do that, I don't know. I don't make phones, but your your ringer has to be on to hear the content or the sounds. And then when you're done, you can put your ringer back off or if you're at work or whatnot. Awesome. Well, perfect, perfect. Well, Paul, good luck this season hunting. And uh, I appreciate everything that you do for, well, not only helping out with the podcast and giving excellent information, but just the elk hunting community and everything like that. The information that you give is invaluable. So I appreciate you all do you everything that you do for us. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. Thank you for having me on, Zach. Thank you for tuning in to the show. It means a lot to us. But seriously, though, I really appreciate your ear. And it would mean the world to me if you would rate our podcast. If you didn't like it, one star it. But if you did, a five is even better. Don't forget to comment, like, share, and hit that subscribe button. Thanks again for tuning into the show. Some other podcasts that you should definitely check out are... Eastman Elevated with Brian and Barney. And Hunt Harvest Health with Ryan and Hillary Lambers. And a special thanks to... Maven Optics, Six Sight Gear, Dark Energy Tech, Shield Mountain Outdoors, The Outdoor Insiders, Iron Mind Hunting, Valkyrie Archery, and Gannett Ridge Sporting Equipment.